Walter Sports Bar is excited to welcome Nationals fans back to the ballpark this spring. Located directly across the street from Nationals Park, Walters is the preeminent sports bar in Navy Yard, boasting over 35 televisions, both indoors and out. Walters is a great location to catch the Nats all season long. Walters encourages all fans to check out coronavirus.dc.gov to get up-to-date information on current dining restrictions and go Nats. If you were at Walters this weekend, you may have noticed the Nats Chat logo up on their beer wall. We really appreciate the support they're giving us, and we encourage you to go to Walters before, after, and during Nats games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now the set. And Ross, the 0-1, swinging a high fly ball to deep left. Schwarber going back to the warning track, to the wall. It is gone. Goodbye. Into the second row of Section 104. And Paul DeYoung has hit a grand slam, his second home run of the night. And the fourth home run of the game hit by the Cardinals, who break it wide open here in the top of the fifth inning. It's now St. Louis 10 and Washington 2. And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, April 20th, 2021, along with Nats insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, so much for Joe Ross being brilliant over his first two starts of the season. A complete debacle on Monday night, a 12-5 loss to the St. Louis Cardinals at Nationals Park in game one of a three-game series. Yet another blow-up start for a national starting pitcher. And Joe Ross, of having tossed 11 scoreless innings over his first two starts, gets shellacked to the tune of 10 runs, all earned in four and a third innings. Perhaps people did not expect Ross to be lights out on Monday night, but raise your hand if you expected that. That was a mess. The first inning was good, Al. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. He retired the side. He struck out Tommy Edmond and Paul Goldschmidt. He got Arenado to pop out right back to him on the mound. And I actually turned to uh, one of the writers sitting near me and I said, boy, he looks really legitimate. I think they've got something here. And uh, that didn't last for long, unfortunately, because it devolved from there. And that was a really ugly outing and the latest in a string of them and from a guy that they really can't afford to have those kind of outings at this point, given the rest of the state of the rotation. You know, we're getting used to this here. Nationals blow up starts. This is now five blow up starts by national starters this year. This one for Ross, the one by Eric Fetty, the two by Patrick Corbin and the one by Steven Strasburg. And I don't think I'm overstating things and saying this may well have been the worst. Again, all of the runs were earned, 10 of them in four and a third. He gives up four home runs, a double, and four singles 
issues three walks, has a hit by pitch. I mean, I suppose we could quibble. Maybe you could argue one of these other outings is worse, but this is becoming way too common of a sight. And, you know, the thing of Hernan Perez pitching in the ninth inning for the Nationals on Monday night, like, to me, the joke's not funny anymore. Like, it, it was cute the first time. It's not cute anymore. And he, even though he got ahead of it scoreless, you know, he did give up a triple. But it's like, that shouldn't be happening more than, like, once or twice in a season. It's happened twice in seven days. That's a problem. Yeah, when your position player is pitching against the same team twice in a week, something has gone horribly wrong. I agree. It, it was cute the first time this time. I mean, I guess the fans here got a kick out of it because they hadn't seen it in person before. But no, that was not good. And and it does underscore the larger point here, which is, and Davey Martinez brought this up, is that this is having a significant domino effect on the bullpen. When your starters are only going four or five innings tops, and at times going less than that, it's putting him in a position that he has to ask for a lot from his relievers. And you are starting to see now where he's saying, okay, I'm just not going to throw my A guys and not burn them up in these games and save them for hopefully the next day. And that's how you end up with Aaron Perez pitching twice in a week and Ryan Harper pitching two innings a day after pitching in another game and McGowan pitching multiple days in a row. And it's going to catch up to you. And Davey knows it. And he was pretty pointed in his comments about it. It was not common for him to necessarily uh, to do that publicly. But he said it. We need more depth from our starters. They don't need dominance necessarily from their starters, but they need quality outings. They need six innings. They need those guys to give them a chance to win because there is a significant domino effect on the rest of the staff when this keeps happening. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the bullpen had been a real bright spot. We're starting to see chinks in the armor, and that's not because it's the bullpen's fault to me. It's exactly what you just said. The bullpen is being leaned on way too much. Like, I mean, these these guys, they are relievers for a reason. Like, relievers are basically almost always failed starters. Like, these are not guys who should be called upon as often as they're being called upon. And how often now are we seeing Nationals relievers have to throw multiple innings? You know, guys have to go out and wear it, as the phrase goes. Like, how many times has that been said over the last, you know, few weeks with, with these Nats games and the Nats is getting buried early in games? So with Ross, like you said, he did start off well. That was the thing. It's not like he was bad from the get-go. He actually struck out Tommy Edmond and Paul Goldsmith for the first two outs in a perfect first inning. And then, of course, came the rest of the game. What happened? What did Davey have to say about where Ross went wrong on Monday night? The thing that stood out uh, to me, and, and they both admitted it as well, is that that sinker, which was so good for him in the first two starts and so good that first inning, he couldn't get it down in the zone. It was up in the zone and they were hammering it. Now, the first home run by Paul DeYoung in the second inning, it was belt high, but it was inside. It was even inside the strike zone. And he somehow got to it and hit it off the foul pole. That one, I'm willing to give a pass on. The others is when it started to get ugly. Edmund in the third inning, a blast of a home run. He went to his changeup against Goldschmidt. That's not, you know, that's his third best pitch by a, a great distance. And you don't want to be giving up, you know, home runs on your third best pitch. And then I think by the time he got to the fifth, he was just out of gas. And Davey was trying to get one more inning out of him because of what we were just talking about. The pitch count was 74 after four innings. And he thought, let's try to squeeze one more out of him. And he didn't retire anybody. Well, the fielder's choice that led to that kind of bizarre, funny looking pickle but by the time it finally got to DeYoung again, I don't think he had a lot left in the tank. And, and you hate to say that you saw it coming, but that grand slam kind of felt inevitable at that point. Yeah, you know, it's interesting with Davey and all these Nats blowout losses. He is kind of tapping out in some of these games. And I don't say that as a criticism. Like, it's just, you know, strategic. I, I get it. But we're seeing things like what you just said. I mean, Ross really had no business continuing to pitch in that fifth inning, and yet he did. 
You know, Davey is using an infielder, an Hernan Perez, to pitch in relief twice in seven days. Davey is using his JV bullpen a whole heck of a lot. Davey essentially conceded the game, or at least it felt that way on Monday night, when he benched Trey Turner. You know, Trey Turner plays basically every inning of every game, and he just gets pulled in the middle of the game because Davey's like, well, this thing's probably over, so let me get my second best hitter out of the ball game. And it's just, it's interesting to see this. I, I don't know that we're used to seeing this from Davey. And I don't really necessarily blame him for doing these things, but you're seeing like, don't go by like what he says, go by the actions and the actions are telling you Davey's like, okay, well, tonight's not our night. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it is the cumulative effect of all these bad outings. And also, you know, realize that he just the other day put two relievers on the injured list. Wander Suero, who, as we kind of joked about how much he pitched, I think Davey realizes it was probably too much. And Luis Avalon, they announced, is going to have Tommy John surgery after throwing 38 pitches one night and 39 pitches two nights later. So as a manager, that hurts you yourself because you worry, did I help foster that by putting them out there as much as I have? And so I think more than anything tonight, that was on his mind and not wanting to subject any more of his relievers to a, a similar fate. And so he said, yeah, we could try to keep this game close and go to the bullpen now. But in the big picture, we got to take better care of our relievers. And I think he did that in this game and, you know, to the detriment of the outcome of this game, but maybe it does help them down the road. I hope so. I mean, with Ross, it is just so perplexing. It's not like what we saw with Steven Strasburg, where he was great in game one and then struggled in game two. But at least with Strasburg now, we know injury was a factor. That doesn't seem to be the case here with Ross, or might it be the case? No, I, I think it was, again, just you know, that sinker that is everything to him. He he couldn't keep it down in the zone. But it does, you know, serve as a reminder, kind of like with uh, Patrick Corbin, as we've talked about, Joe really has one way to be successful. And that is movement. It's keeping his sinker down in the zone and then complementing that with a slider that breaks the other direction. That's really all he's got. He's a two-pitch pitcher. Like I said, he threw a changeup to Goldschmidt that was hit out, but that's, you know, a, a very low on his list as a pitch that he's going to rely on in big spots. So, if you can't keep your sinker down in the zone, then that kind of eliminates your ability to be successful. And, and it does lead to nights like this. So the stuff still looked good to me. Like I said, the first inning was really good. And he's throwing 95, even 96 at times with movement. I think in the big picture, Joe Ross is going to be all right. But we have to remember, he's not a number two starter. <laughs> he's not a guy who's going to have a long scoreless streak like he had through the first 12 innings of the season. You know, he is a number five starter for a reason. Maybe he can prove to be a number four in a, a best case scenario, a number three. But if they think they're going to rely on him as their number two, which is what he is at the moment, you know, they're going to be paying the price for that. And I think they know that. And they know that if he gives them two really good starts out of every three, that's really all you can ask for from him. You just have to hope that the blowups aren't as bad as this one was. Yeah. I mean, just wait. We're not used to seeing, you know, a blow up but once every, what, three weeks, four weeks with the Nationals when the rotation is good. And we're just getting a parade of them here to begin this season. It's really highlighted what was one of the real concerns going into the season, which was the lack of starting pitching depth. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nats Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. 
Hey everyone, Tim Shovers here, here to tell you about Sunday Scaries CBD. You know, we're getting to the point where prioritizing mental health is becoming less stigmatized. People are finally starting to talk about strategies to stay centered and calm in their everyday life. That's why I'm really excited to tell you about Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that taste absolutely delicious and are easy to take on the go. Sunday Scary CBD gummies help you live life scare-free by promoting a sense of calm, quieting your mind, and just helping you to chill out and relax. You might need some of that after the Nats lost badly to the Cardinals on Monday night. In fact, Sunday Scary CBD gummies and CBD oil have won glowing coverage in publications like Men's Health, Forbes, Allure, and Best Products. Today, you can get 25% off your first order with the code NATSCHAT at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com. Enter code NATSCHAT where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Ready to chill out and get some much-needed peace of mind after the last two losses? Head to sundayscaries.com right now to get 25% off some sweet, sweet CBD gummies. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. With the Nats offense on Monday night, look, I mean, it feels kind of silly to even criticize the offense in any way because you gave up 12 runs, your starter got completely shellacked. Nats did score five runs, although, you know, they scored them in kind of weird ways. It's not like they were smacking the ball all over the yard. And the Nats for the game do end up getting out-homered 5 nothing. Uh, that's not something that happens very often. But I do want to ask you about a guy who continues to struggle and Josh Bell. He goes one for five with two strikeouts on Monday night. Did have a double in that Nats two-run fourth, and that was a good piece of hitting, but he also struck out on five pitches with runners on second and third and nobody out in the bottom of the seventh. I mean, that's to their credit. They fought and, you know, they kind of were in it, you know, pseudo in it as the game went on. Uh, That was a prime run scoring opportunity. Bell and Kyle Schwarber strike out in back-to-back plate appearances. But we look at Josh Bell now. It's a batting average of 120. It's an on-base percentage of 207. It is a slugging percentage of 200. The rarity that is the slugging being less than the on-base. This is a guy who is here for his bat, very clearly not his glove. He continues to bat pretty high up there. He was a number three batter on Monday night. Do you get any sense that he might be dropped, that we might see more of Ryan Zimmerman, or do you think Davey's going to stick with Josh Bell? 
No, I think he is going to stick with him. You know, again, Zimmerman's going to start, I'm guessing, about one out of every three games. So once the series, in all likelihood, and they'll pick the best matchup for that or day game after night game, things like that. But no, this lineup is only going to be successful if Josh Bell is successful. And where he's at right now is he's late. He's late on the fastball. And he knows it. He admitted it. We talked to him after the game. But he does feel like he's getting closer on it. Remember, he, he had a great spring. He was on top of everything. And then, unfortunately, was one of the COVID guys who had to uh, go into quarantine for almost two weeks. He went without seeing live pitching or playing in a real game. And so you did worry, is that going to throw off his timing? And the answer is yes, it did. But he's been working at it. He feels like he's close. He feels like he's making some more solid contact. The double was nice. You know, I, I know it was only a one for five, but that was nice. He hit the ball hard twice to third base. One of them was an Arenado error. So... I think in the sense I'm getting from him is that he feels like he's close and he knows his swing. And if it was really, really off, he'd be more concerned. And he's not. I think he feels like it's just a matter of time. And that especially when it's a matter of being late on the fastball, you can't simulate that. You can only do that in games. You can't do it in batting practice. You can't do it, you know, hitting wiffle balls in your house like he had to during quarantine. So it's going to come, but they do need it from him. And it does you know, serve as a reminder of how much they built their lineup this year to be revolving around him being the guy who could hit behind Soto. In the Cardinals' two-run fourth, Bell failed to make like an underhanded sliding forward catch of a foul ball on a bunt by the Cardinals' starting pitcher, Jack Flaherty. It was a uh, suicide squeeze, runners on first and third, one out. It was not an easy catch to make, but if Bell makes that catch, that's a prime double play opportunity because, again, it was a suicide squeeze. You could have doubled off the guy at third base. Instead, the plate appearance continued. Flaherty ended up putting forth a one-out run scoring sack bunt on a safety squeeze. Cardinals went up 6 nothing. Am I being too harsh in saying that's a play you'd like your first baseman to make? Because I, I know it wasn't easy, but we, you know, we talk about this with Bell, the defense at first base. That, to me, that's like one of those things, if you make it, boy, could that inning maybe end up being a little different for you. It was a big moment and an opportunity, like you said, to, to quash that rally there. And it's a play that I think we've come to expect Ryan Zimmerman to make. Now, it's above average play, but we do expect Zimmerman to make that play. And I think we have to condition ourselves to not expect Josh Bell to make that play. And if he does, it's a bonus. But those kind of things are going to come back to haunt them from time to time. We know that. They know that. They know what they're getting here. If he's hitting, then you can kind of gloss over it. If he's not hitting, then it becomes more magnified. And right now he's not hitting. And so we are noticing all those mistakes. Hey, everyone. Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. I'm so excited that baseball is back. There's nothing like watching a game with great weather, a cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you've never bet baseball before, now is the perfect time to give that a shot. FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free. You'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way, you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. No, we may not have an official smell test for you, but we can tell you there's a hunch the Cleveland Indians are going to beat up on Carlos Rodon and the Chicago White Sox. Tough to follow up on a no-hitter. There's a reason FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same-game parlay and always-on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code CHAT. 
So tomorrow night, Tuesday night, or two nights, depending on when you're listening to this, it is Patrick Corbin. And all of a sudden, boy, I mean, the Nats needed Corbin to be good anyway, but now it really becomes of major import with Joe Ross having just gotten bombed with Steven Strasburg on the 10-day injured list. I don't know, man. Are we going to be having a similar conversation 24 hours from now, or will we be rejoicing in the bounce back by Patrick Corbin Tuesday night? He'll be opposing Adam Wainwright. Boy, they really hope that they're not having the same conversation. They don't care about us, but they don't want to be having that conversation in the manager's office at the end of the night because that's a huge problem if they are again. But what we were just saying about the effect on the bullpen, it does make me wonder if they're just going to let Corbin ride it out a little bit. If Even if he gets off to a rough start, I don't know that Davey can have a quick hook on him unless they've got somebody else available to them. You know, Austin Voth is supposed to be the long man, but they've been using him in short bursts, and I'm not sure how much they can reasonably expect from him. I thought it was kind of interesting. A subtle little thing that happened today is they have not sent Paolo Espino back to Fredericksburg. He's still on the roster. And as we talked about, they can get away with a four-man rotation coming up here because of the off days that are built into the schedule. And so I thought maybe they would send Espino back and go get another fresh arm. For them. They did not have that on Monday. Is there a chance they do something on Tuesday to make sure they have a backup option for Corbin if it gets ugly early? I wonder if that's something on their mind, something that they intend to do. I don't know. We'll see. We haven't heard anything officially from them yet. But I do think they have to at least be prepared for that possibility. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. They really need, in, in both the short term and the long term, they don't need dominance, but they need reliability. They need six decent innings from him. They need to for him to give them a chance to win. What's so bizarre about their starts this year as a team is they're either they've been great or they've been a disaster. There's none of those six innings, three runs kind of starts. In their five wins, their starters have given up a total of six earned runs. In their nine losses, they've given up 40. There's no middle ground, and they need some middle ground right now. Dominance would be great, but they would settle for middle ground, give their team a chance. There's no doubt, and it's too early to panic. It's way too early to panic, but I don't think it's too early to be concerned. The Nationals are 5-9 and nine with a run differential of minus 22. That is by far the worst run differential in the National League East. And the thing that this team is predicated on, the starting pitching, has been a mess. I mean, it's been turned upside down this season to where you're dealing with injury and ineffectiveness. And beyond Max Scherzer, I mean, you don't know what to think right now. If Corbin gets rocked again on Tuesday night, to your point, like, then what? What are you supposed to do? Who do you turn to at that point? You know, game 15 of the season, <laughs> if there's such a thing as a must-quality start, and I don't mean three runs in six innings, I mean a true-quality start, boy, do the Nationals need it from Patrick Corbin on Tuesday night. Well, we can end with some happier news here. So we have been encouraging you guys to hit us up. Uh, we've enjoyed all the correspondence. You can tweet the podcast at Nats underscore chat. You can email us to Podcast at gmail.com. Tom Webster emailed us. He said, love the show. Glad you guys got together for this podcast. Wanted to let you know I'd be interested in buying a Nats Chat hat or shirt if you guys ever made them, would definitely wear it to Nats games. So we got at least one interested buyer in Nats Chat merchandise. I think that we may be onto something here, Al. I think we can get it trending around the whole ballpark, perhaps get people wearing it at the stadium and then other fancy and say, hey, what? What's that? And then they tell them all about the podcast. Maybe we get some new listeners along the way. Tim is our uh, is the man behind everything here. It's up to him to see if he can pull this off. I I have faith in him. I know you have faith in him as well. Let's see if we can get some merchandise out there for everyone. 
As the great Jim Bowden said many years ago, time to activate, baby, when it comes to the Match Chat <laughs> merchandise. So let us activate. Is, is that the model we want to go after, though? The Jim Bowden model? It was a maniac intro presser, but I guess that era didn't work out so well. So maybe I shouldn't uh, quote that. But you get the idea. The enthusiasm. Hey, Jim's heart was in the right place. Things just didn't go so well beyond that. But anyway. Well, keep the feedback coming. We always love hearing from you guys. Uh, remember, subscribe, rate, review the Nat Chat Podcast. And if you would like to get on board the movement that is the Nat Chat Podcast as a sponsor, email the great Tim Showers. Again, that email address, natchatpodcast at gmail.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nat Chat are courtesy of 1067 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nat Chat Podcast. Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising. Come. I'll show you. Open up this door.